When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Episode 42, Josh. Four and two. A famous number. England four, Germany two in 1966. The number retired from all Major League Baseball after the late, great Jackie Robinson. Yes. Add them together and it makes six, which is the number that yes. I played when I played mediocre second team rugby for a while in South Wales. And it's now, also, the number four... It's also the answer to life, the universe and everything, of course. Is it? It is, if you've ever read uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's that as well, then, okay. And Obviously now, you haven't. That's now fine. it's a number that's associated with the with this episode of, as of last week, the 17th most popular rugby podcast on iTunes. Yes. Heady stuff indeed. This is this living the dream. Yeah, regardless of the reflected glory of the episode mm. number, this is the BloodandMud.com podcast, episode 42, your sw- sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert, and I continue to bask in the beatific glory of that man over there, which is... I am Josh Gardner of uh, Late of Rugby Shirt Watch, and indeed myself. <laughs> Speaking of iTunes, thanks for everyone who, was listening, who listens on iTunes, and there for leaving reviews on iTunes. We've had a few this week. That's uh, nice. Well, in the past few weeks, I've not really mentioned it. But anyway, Jamie Dodge in 1969 got in touch and said, I was living under the blissful illusion that this pod was shit watch but it's all been shattered now and you're given the impression you actually know what you're doing. Yeah, this won't last long, don't worry. Well, no, no. It will will never be the same. And he said, actually, lads, it's fantastic funny and makes my week. Please give Lanishan RFC under-12s a shout. Happy to. Jammy Dodger? Yes. A shout-out to Lanishan RFC under-12s, although I'd be a bit worried if you let them listen to this, given the amount of fuck words that we say every week. Yeah, I mean, saying that though, they are from South Wales, which means that they did hear their first F word at sort of the age of six. <laughs> yes, uh, in but, my experience. 
Bucky16 got in touch and said, top stuff, and they are aware of the existence of rugby in Scotland. I think that might be speaking about some I mean, other pods, which are I mean, quite derogatory about, yeah. about, about lesser nations, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're tangential. I wouldn't consider us experts on the subject, but yeah, we do occasionally mention it. But we have spoken to Dave the Brick Elliot, which we makes did, us, actually, you know, yeah, that's probably, a very good point. I don't know, Princes of Scotland or something. Yeah. And then finally, we've had a review from James Haskell's dad, is what it says. <laughs> I appreciate the honest feedback and agree that he can be a bit of a twat spanner, as can I. But if you broadcast this, you're the stupidest podcast I've ever dealt with. <laughs> which I quite like that. Getting in with the spirit of things. Thank you very much, everybody. Absolutely. Now, Josh, you nearly didn't make it. So you can leave reviews on iTunes when you're listening to us. Please feel free to, feel free to do that. Um, you nearly didn't make it home tonight, did you, Josh? Uh, yes, it's been a little bit rainy the last uh, 48 hours down Bristol town. Um, yes, it's, it's a bit a like a Roland water. Emmerich film down there, I believe. It is a little bit. I mean, my, my office is next to the River Avon in Bath and over the course of the day, I've just gradually been watching the level of the river become more and more alarmingly high to the point where it did just spill over the banks, which was quite fun. So, And all this weather makes me think, Josh, what's the mm. point in going out, really? I, I don't think there's any point at Su- all. Supermarkets are full of lemmings doing Christmas shopping. Yeah. It's Black Friday this week. Which is a thing, apparently. Which is a thing all week, apparently, according to Amazon. Yeah, but and anyway. also Cyber Monday. Whatever that is. Yeah. Fuck's sake. So basically, given all that's going on the weather, why not close yourself off from humanity yes. and get beer delivered to your door and not that have to interface like with all this stuff? Deal. That sounds like a fantastic idea. So listeners out there, everybody, Beer 52 are offering you £10 off a crate of beer. They are the UK's leading craft beer club and they deliver a lovely crate of ales to your house every month. And if you go to beer52.com, and use the code BLOODMUD10, you will get £10 off, and you can sit there completely shut off from the rest of the world and drink yourself stupid. Exactly. And you'll be £10 to the richer when eventually the water subsides and you can go out and spend money again. Yep, you can go out with a hangover to get yourself a bacon sandwich when everybody's cleared <laughs> out. So there Damn you go, beer52.com, BLOODMUD10, get yourself £10 off. Thank you very much. Right then, now that's the kind of, you know, specific requirements out of the way let's get on with reviewing other specific requirements which is looking at the weekend's rugby where yes. do you want to start shall we start with ireland i think we probably have to don't we, we do have to start i mean before we we start dissecting it what a fantastic pulsating test match that was um two yeah. teams going at it two very good teams going at it hammer and tongs for 80 minutes yeah Nobody let... giving an inch it was fantastic as a neutral i loved every minute of it yeah given you know, we can sometimes get a bit. We think every, you know, is it just us or is everything shit? It could be a bit of us every week, can't it? Because we do, yeah. we do have a poke at stuff. But actually, yeah. To be fair, before we get into it, it was a bloody brilliant game of rugby Absolutely between two, two very well matched teams. Yes, I think that's I the, think the they, biggest surprise again. I think they they complement in the each other in the way that they don't complement each other. If that makes any sense, is they're very different teams, but they have specific strengths and weaknesses that sort of are, are geared up to exploiting the other team's strengths and weaknesses. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No, but, yeah, no, but it's been a lot. Strengths they got. So you've got strength of the All Blacks is their pace, their attacking ability, strength of the Island is... Irish, they're ridiculously tenacious on defence. They're yep. ridiculously tenacious on the floor. They're very well organised. Um, yeah. And they've got a very good set-piece. And they shut down New Zealand. Well, they tried to shut down New Zealand. However, it's interesting. I mean, it started off with this three-minute 
blitz from the All Blacks, didn't it? Which was absolutely. Which was I mean, they were clearly brilliant. fucking fuming, weren't they? Oh god, absolutely yeah. it was, fuming. It was one of those things where lesser teams would have gone, lads, we're in fucking trouble here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. In fair play to them, they didn't do that. Like, did they? Most other teams to have like because they didn't do anything wrong in that first. Like aside from not gathering the kickoff, hmm. they defended very stoutly. They were well organised, but just you could—they were not to be denied. And it was one of those moments where you thought, "Oh God, this could be a very long afternoon." But it wasn't. Well, it was, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It was in that the first half lasted about an hour and a half because of all the stoppages. <laughs> that was really quite yeah. a long afternoon. But it was a. Mm. But no, it was it was a very good game. And you know what? You watch New Zealand in that first three minutes, which is them doing what they do, right? Yeah. And I was I watched Australia playing in the rugby league on Sunday. Mm. Australia played New Zealand and battered them. And you watch them and you think, and it's like when you watch New Zealand, you look at them and you think, there's no secret here. It is very simply an incredibly high skill level executed accurately at a very high pace. Mm. No, it's nothing more complex. You know, people talk about strategies and second waves of attack yeah. and new coaching methods and, and, and all and old-fashioned stuff. But ultimately, that is what it is. And when you do it, that's what happens. You yeah, score and you it's win. It's very hard to stop when it's executed that flawlessly. And and yet, in spite of that, you came away from that game thinking, Ireland kind of blew that a little bit. They massively blew it. They had enough possession to win the game. You've, you, you, you've got to look at the uh, tackle stats, really. I mean, I can't remember the specifics now. I had a quick jot down, but I've, I've lost it now. But basically, New Zealand made 180-odd tackles in that game, and Ireland made about 90-odd, I believe. Yeah. So it well, just shows you, like- you know. If New Zealand were very clinical in that every time they got the ball in that area, they pretty much scored. Whereas Ireland, I mean, they yeah. had 20 minutes with a man advantage and they scored six points. And contrast that with how clinical they were in Chicago when New Zealand were down to 14 for that one yeah. 10 minutes period and they scored two tries. Yeah, didn't they score, three, the... they score three points each time they were down to... Ireland scored yeah. three points each time they were down to 40. And you spe- yeah. you say, it's a quarter of the game with 14 men. Mm. New Zealand play because they got two Simbins, didn't they? Yeah. Which you know they they really are giving you the best possible chance. Yeah. Playing I mean, at, I, playing in Ireland's home stadium to give them a stuffing, really, aren't they? Well, yeah. If nothing else, to come out with a, a win again, you know that that's no team should be able to defend for twenty odd minutes, particularly when so much of the game was in their twenty two as well, and not get anything out of it try scoring yeah. chance wise. But aside from that. When they in- instantly came back after New Zealand scored that try, and they had um, O'Brien held up over the line, and by then they had somebody else held up over Brian the line. By Bowden Barrett, by the way. Yeah, that was some <laughs> tackle. Lot, that it? was some tackle. To be fair mm. to, well, it just says a lot about what it is that this guy can do. He can do fucking absolutely everything, everything. except kick goals. Yeah, basically. he he makes. I was watching him, and that his try, his his try, uh, mm. which a controversial try, if you like, but. Uh, he makes 15s look like sevens. He does, Because in he? sevens, there's so much space. They have pacey people who just, just, just gas people on the outside. But he yeah. does that in 15s when there's absolutely no room yeah. whatsoever, basically. He does, and he he does it in 15s it. from the 10 channel where there is yeah, a wealth but, of people around him. Yes. And yet somehow... Yeah, no, I thought, particularly from a New Zealand point of view, um, having Retallick and Whitelock back was massive, like... Those big carries that they are both making midfield are so 
important to the way that they played the leadership and and the line out work I thought was the real. Well, they actually thing, went like, they went after the line out, didn't they? Which is so what they, they didn't really do didn't, in that, Chicago, which is yeah. bizarre. Well, so. you, look, you look at how Ireland profited from using the line out as an attacking weapon in the Chicago game, and you know they scored a couple of tries off the back of it, and you could see New Zealand every single ball they were contesting it, they were trying to make they were just stopping them from getting any kind of clean ball off the top, and it really frustrated them. And Ritalik was amazing everywhere basically he's on Saturday. Just a, he was, he's just a freak, isn't he? I mean, aside from that moment where he got shoved on his ass by Tau Furlong, which was amazing. Um, yeah, they just... It was just so ferocious compared to how they were in Chicago, the ferocity in attack and defence. I know enough. a lot of Irish fans would probably say that they went beyond the pale in terms of those ferocity. Well, but let's like, deal with that now, OK? Let's yeah. deal with this thing, right? <laughs> I was saying before, and I'll say it again for you out there, people listening, right? I couldn't watch the game on Saturday because I was otherwise engaged, but I was on Twitter and I'd seen the score and I just saw my timeline and all the comment, all the commentary was basically a massive stream of talking about it like some, it was like the Battle of Stalingrad or something and that <laughs> New Zealand had basically come out and put people in thumbscrews or so, put their heads in vices or something because it was so brutal and awful. And I thought, Jesus. So then I didn't watch the game till yesterday and I was expecting to see a bloodbath and brutality, like Battle of the Bastards on Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> it was going to be so awful. And actually I just watched it and I thought, you know what? Yeah, they were, they were, they were getting stuck in, but none of it was really that bad. No, and that was, I think... It was partly a problem with the commentary because <laughs> yeah, because, I, because Alan Quinlan has become Quinlan and I, mean, Mark I can't Robson, man, I yeah. can't st- I, I, for, like Quinlan and Robson it is probably the worst display of like one-eyed hysterical partisan shite yes yeah that I've seen a commentary and I think that just made it worse because it just clearly wound up a lot of Irish fans on the internet because they were going fucking mental about everything. But the thing is, like, I mean, dictionaries don't have pictures, but if there was a fictitious (laughs) picture dictionary and we were to turn to the word hypocrite, you might well see Alan Quinlan's scowling face. Alan Quinlan complaining about violence in a game. Well, exactly. He he turned into flipping Reverend Lovejoy's wife. He was was (laughs) clutching per... yeah, he's one of the most hor- he was the most horrible bastard in a monster pack full of legendarily horrible bastards, and he knew how to physically impose himself on an opponent, and he knew how to commit a cynical professional foul as well. There was one point where Mark Robson asked Quinlan, "Do you think the All Blacks are intentionally being illegal in their play?" <laughs> that Quinlan- was brilliant. Quinlan- yeah. Oh, that's a very difficult question to answer, but it's like. You absolute shithouse. Yeah. Because if you were being honest there, you would say, yes, of course they are. And so are Ireland. And so is everyone in every game of rugby at a professional level because that's what the fucking professional sport is like about. Kent Brockman on the Simpsons today. I'm not saying a cat burger is an inhuman monster like the Wolfman, <laughs> but he very well probably is. <laughs> it was just so silly. What was interesting it... about that, right, is that the most, the, the least, sorry, one-eyed person in the whole of that was Paul O'Connell. Absolutely. Because when they and came to him and contrast. said, right, Paul, isn't this awful? And he went, well, he literally, he literally said, he well, says. they're quite close to the edge. And I, but I think they're actually showing Ireland a lot of respect by what they're doing here. And yeah, it's close to the edge, but, you know, this is... Yeah. He saw, he, weirdly, he saw it as a sign of respect. He wasn't moaning about yeah. it. 
And also, the, like the the massive cynicism of the penalties they were conceding, and he was like, "Yeah, that's brilliant. That's what I would do in that yeah, situation." Exactly. Of course, it is because that's what you do to win games, and that I think is the like, yeah, I'm, uh, it's not helped that Kane and and Fe- and they've both been cited and all that stuff. I don't know what anything the Kane come one of it. in particular, Henshaw spun into. Let's try and analyze this right as best we can yeah. without pictures, right? So if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Kane was coming, Henshaw was running towards the goal and Kane was coming from his right. Yeah, he'd lined him yeah. up for a he'd big lined him hit, up. but Henshaw, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Henshaw was being tackled or grabbed by somebody else. So Henshaw was trying to Kieran spin yeah. out of the tackle, to Kieran Reed was it, spin out of yeah. the tackle, and as he span, he went towards Sam Kane, at which point yeah. Sam Kane was driving his right shoulder into the tackle and bringing his arm around. It wasn't a swinging, yeah. it wasn't a swinging arm, he was driving nope. his right arm into the tackle, and basically Henshaw lost balance a bit and kind of came down towards him a bit. It was basically a tackle. It was one of those things that happens in rugby. It was a penalty because it was a little bit reckless, and mm. obviously he did lead with the shoulder a little bit. But well, what, never, what is wrong like, with that? You've got to put your shoulder in when you're you tackling have. people because the next step is going to be they're going to say, well, oh, you can't plant your feet because that's going to cause too much collision. <laughs> so basically, well, what are you going to do then? Just basically, you can't throw yourself no. in front of them because that's illegal. You can't plant your feet or put your shoulder in because that's illegal. You can't trip them because that's illegal. So basically, we're going to have <laughs> what? To Tag rugby? Yeah. Is that what it's yeah. going to be called? You've got to, wrap them, you've got to wrap them up around the ankles and that's all you can do. Basically, yeah. Basically, you've got but, to tackle like Dan Lydiot when he could tackle. Yeah. But that's the thing, and I think we've discussed this on the pod before, but it's people who want discipline to be reflect the outcome as opposed to mm. what actually happened. It's like Henshaw got hurt, and that was very sad and very unfortunate for Ireland and not what anybody would have wanted that. To be honest, the least of all Sam Kane, I would imagine. I would imagine, yeah. I'm sure that he was aiming for a bit of a physical reducer in a hello, I'm here, you're going to have a rough afternoon sort of sense. But like... Yeah, as in like, you mean in the playing rugby sense, yeah? Yes, <laughs> not in a an actual, like... He wasn't trying to go out and put him in a fucking hospital, was he? Even was one. His arm, well, think... it was a swinging arm, so it was a penalty. It, it was, was a penalty, card, definitely. Right? But his arm wasn't swinging horizontally. He actually swung it downwards. He was trying to kind of hit across the sort of chest and into the... But you see My what I mean? Num- see, I'm pissing myself off now because this is the kind of discussions that we're having to have now. And this oh, is well, the it... thing that pisses me off because how I've lost track of how many times somebody's been given a penalty for a high tackle and it's been demonstrably clear that the player that has been high tackled is stooping or ducking and the guy who's making the tackle can't do a fucking yeah. thing about do it. Do they reasonably expect players at any level of the game, right, to go, I'll just wait until I tackle him in case he ducks a bit? Yeah, exactly that. And, and like Quinlan was, um, after he was suggesting that Kane should have been red carded for that, which again, hilarious. <laughs> um <laughs> He sort of and said, it, it's that, oh, yeah. "Well, if you're following the protocols, that should be a red card." Yeah, because you're fucking, you're crazy stuff. about that protocol yeah. shit, aren't you, Alan? I gouged my way off a fucking Lions tour. Jesus, <laughs> like, but he was uh, apparently he was still going at it in his Irish Independent column today, and he was saying that Kane has to be aiming lower, and he shouldn't have been aiming that high, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, how are you supposed to control where somebody's 
chest is going to be when they're ducking and diving? What do you sort of sit and wait for them to finish whatever they're doing and then tackle them? Well, the only logical conclusion to this, right, or the illogical conclusion, and and I I don't think I'm being stupid here, is that you basically say you can never tackle above the waist. Well, yeah. That's the only logical conclusion we're going to come to here. If that's where they want to go with, if they want to take this to that level of silliness, that's fine. Or we can just say it was an unfortunate thing. It probably was a penalty because it was, but. But because of these directives and the the way they talk about it, I'm hating what it's becoming because the, the, the crowd go hysterical when a slightly high shot comes in and not in the way they used to, in that they used to go, oh, you bastard sort of thing. They literally are like screaming and squealing and hysterical, wanting something to be done about it immediately, rather than just it's just part of the game, you know. It's that and that for the 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 Zebo high tackle. Mm. That for that me was the Fekatoa one, wasn't straight, it? Uh, the Fekatoa one was straight off the crowd. The yeah. crowd went fucking ape shit, and the touch judge stuck his flag in the air. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't think that would have been given if the crowd hadn't been going fucking mental about it. And I get it. And you don't, you know, nobody wants to see their players get injured by somebody in the opposition. And it fucking no. pisses you off like nobody's business. I've been there. It's, We've all been there. It's incredibly frustrating. However, we've got to accept that rugby is rugby. It's a fucking contact sport. And while we've got to do everything that we can to ensure that it's, a sa- it's as safe as possible, there is no way to make rugby 100% safe. Yeah. And the you thing know. is, that thing about the high tackle thing, what annoys me as well, is we've talked about it, so this lack of empathy. with mm. Anybody who's played the game or watched the game for any length of time knows what a high tackle is. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what it looks like and you definitely know what it feels like if you've yeah. had one. And a lot of what we're seeing now, anybody who knows the game knows they're not. that's not a high tackle. No. And actually, I... the percentage likelihood that it's going to cause a serious injury is fucking tiny. And this, you know, we um, need to get just dial the hysterical. I feel quite hysterical now, but we need to dial the hysteria down the other, you know, but I'm being hysterical for the right reason. Because you're sort of in that mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore <laughs> frame of mind, aren't you? Yes. Because it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, when they just catch someone around the face and it's like all of a sudden that's a high tackle and that's a yellow card. But it's like, well, no, because that's just his arms just got, you know. A fl- but like you say, there is zero empathy to the basic yeah. flow of the game, and that's what makes somebody like Nigel Owen such a good referee. Yeah, because he does have that empathy generally. But the more that w- the the more rules that we make to try and police this, and the more rules that World Rugby tries to make to make the game safer, it just feels like we're creating a game where nobody knows how to do anything anymore and that in itself is a bit dangerous yes and um but you know to bring it to a close you know to sum it all up island fans stop griping you had enough possession and you had enough chances to to certainly get within a few more points and it was nothing to do with the fact and that that they were being a bit physical with you you no i think they got unlucky with injuries uh, but the henshaw one was the only one that i thought was cool you know the losing yeah uh, sexton was massive I thought Jackson played pretty well, though. I don't think the way that Jackson was playing looked that dissimilar to how Sexton was playing before he went off. Sexton's a bit more physical. Sexton injured himself in the art of uh, committing a yellow card-worthy offence that everybody 
ignored. Yeah. His hamstrings must be like the top E string on a guitar now. <laughs> They're just waiting so, to go when Pete Townsend playing it. Yeah. And CJ Standers. But I thought actually Josh van der Fleer balanced that back row better when he came on. And like, I, another thing is that they were raving about Sean O'Brien all game as well. Yeah, it's and like, he was all right. He was all right. But you know, actual work. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. The lad with the funny name stood next to him. Uh, yeah. So uh, there you go. Yeah, There's think, our, anything else on Ireland? I think we can probably go uh, Ireland. Right. Very good game, I, basically. It was. Very, I thought. I think it says a lot about Ireland that New Zealand didn't actually have one of those ten-minute destroy yes. all hope periods. It says a lot hope about, splinterer, as we call it. Yeah, they scored that try to sort of put the game to bed, but they didn't. It never got ugly, and I think it shows. I, I honestly think that Ireland are the best team in the Northern Hemisphere, and like not just because they've beaten the All Blacks, but I just think on balance they just look that little bit better than England in most facets of the game. I don't I think we'll remember. know. Well, we'll move on to England now. That's a nice sort of thing, but I don't think we'll know that until we see England play somebody who is actually competent. That's the problem that we've had, isn't because it? Because they've like, played two teams who are frankly incompetent in the last first two weeks for, for, for differing reasons. Yeah. Do you and remember when Fiji used to be good? Because it wasn't that long ago. It was 12 months ago in a World Cup. Yeah. And... <laughs> or was it just we were bad then? I can't remember. <laughs> well, it's a bit of both, I think, because they gave Wales a hell of a game as well. I tell you what I will say about Fiji is, right, it's, it's unfortunate that they play in white. <laughs> because you know they, they are they are not a stranger to the all you can eat buffet are they most of them no, no. and and with the white it really doesn't help it's not slimming is it no not at all no. but like i wasn't expecting very good things after they got they got pasted by the barbarians a few weeks ago for crying out loud and again let's not forget that most of those players had spent were drunk at the time drinking. yes they were drunk yeah. at the time probably yeah. yes so, uh, they half-time tinnies but like there were moments that they just looked so badly organised. You wondered if they even had a coach or if they'd even met. You know, yeah. I mean, Josh, just... I mean, Josh Matavesi, who you said is not well, really an outside half at Ospreys, was the outside half for an international game. Well, it says a lot that he wasn't in the squad last week, and now he's not. And he got called up, and not only came into the twenty-two, was straight into the starting fly half. Yeah, birth. but Ben Volavola is like a sort of, you know a walking example of mental illness or something. He's so, he's so well, exactly. awful, and basically. It's, they're just a shambles. That moment where those two players tackled each other to let Daly in for the second try is kind of comic farce <laughs> writ large by absolutely... massive Polynesian blokes. I, I mean, mean, I mean, Daly is nippy. But he didn't. He all he did was kind of drift to the left. That's all he did. Yeah. <laughs> how they both ran into it, I still don't know how that happened. It was yes. hilarious, but it did speak of... They haven't got a clue what sort of defensive pattern. They didn't know whether to blitz, whether to drift, so they just... Well, they're, just never, they're just never together, are they? No, no. I mean, I don't want to... I mean, the whole build-up to the game was just minging in that, you know... Nathan Hughes, basically... And I don't blame him for this, by the way. Openly, no, basically, coming out and saying, no, basically... I quite like gold pigs and I want to buy lots of them, so I'm trading. Yeah. And also, I, he could retire and I look after his family for the rest of his life, couldn't he? Of course he could. And he said, you know, I'd be playing for Fiji if the money was the same. And I think that's perf- he's perfectly entitled to say that. Because and I, it's- I can't believe that the world... And I don't know the ins and outs of what they're doing about this, right? But it doesn't seem good to me. I can't believe they can't see the wider system benefits of doing something about this. Because because one, it will mean there's more competitive games and this kind of nonsense doesn't happen. Two, it's better for the World Cup. Well, Much the better thing. for it the World Cup. It shows how 
the fact that Fiji always seem to turn up at World Cup shows the benefit that it has when they're together get, for a period. They're yeah. together for a period. Yeah. They get a bit more money because of the World Cup and all that. And all of a sudden, they look like. But at this point, you know, that their fucking shirt sponsor went bust on Thurs on Thursday. <laughs> Did they, they get can't... Vodafone for the World Cup? Wasn't that the only reason why they could keep well, going? No, no, the people who fucking make their shirts has gone bust. You oh, know, BLK, all right, yeah, BLK yeah, yeah. under, and you know, no, nothing goes well for them because no. they're just so low rent, and they because they can't attract any kind of decent sponsorship. And the fact that they're getting what four hundred quid a fucking game compared to twenty k for an English player. Like that should. Yeah. Hey, nobody expects English... them that they should get the same as an England player because, frankly, there isn't the money. But that that different differential is inexcusable. It's yeah. Well, what what should happen is that either World Rugby needs to go in and say, "We'll pick this up. We'll bring it to be a little bit more in the interest yeah. of growing the game. We'll take some of the massive chunk of money that we make from every World Cup and use that to paying match fees." for big you know small yeah. teams against big teams so that it's not quite as hideous or they should just make a standard match fee for everyone or because you know say to big nations if you go here we will guarantee to bridge the gap in earning you could have got by going there, there. or yeah. something like that you know i mean something's got to be done to try sport and it's about more you know, than business isn't it it needs to be yeah. about more than that yeah well it's just like they were set they were in between England, Fiji, and France, Australia. There were it's been trotted out, but there were eight wingers starting, and seven of them were born in Fiji. Incredible, isn't it? All Absolutely both Australian incredible. wings, both French wings, one of the English wings, and obviously both Fijian wings. It's <laughs> yes, that's fucking mad. And like, hey, I'm not saying that I'm got... not saying that none of those players who played for their other countries are not French or Australian or English. No, you know. no, but yeah, however. That shows the level of talent drain that's going on. That they've got seven international caliber wingers, but they've only got but, access to two of them. And let's be honest, it's probably the two. Sh- well, yeah. Nadolo aside, the other one is a bit shit. I've, I've not seen Nadolo do anything good for about two years. Uh, I mean, he's just a big lump, isn't he's he? Just a, he's, he's, but that's the thing: people are blinded by the size, aren't they? Yes. Look at the size. Stuart Barnes certainly was. That's all he could say. All day on Saturday. <laughs> oh, he's massive. Look at him. Huge. You know, it's just unbelievable. But um, I mean, in fairness, it is kind of slightly awe-inspiring to oh, see yeah, a man that size. Oh, yeah, 19 and a half stone. But, it's unbelievable. Yes. yes. But uh, to come um, back to the game, I'm yes. not sure as much that it, it told us, really. It was a fully expected thumping. Um, I thought yeah. it was a perfect game for something like George Ford, and he did a very good job of doing the George Ford thing as part of that game. Yeah, I, I sort of expected. I, I was talking to a couple of mates of mine who were having flutters before the game mm. who didn't really know anything about rugby. And I thought, I said, England will probably put 50 or 60 on them. Mm. I didn't expect them to concede three tries, though, I'll be honest. And I imagine Paul Gustard is fuming about that because the tackling for Fiji second and the general organisation for the third bad, was yes. truly bad. Um, but but yeah, I thought, you know what? In games like that, I don't care who you are or who you play for. You're just going to go... You are going to drop the intensity a bit. Absolutely. It's going to happen. When you're you're 30 points up, everybody's going to get a little bit complacent. Yes. And I think on the whole, like... It's like you say, it's hard to really draw too many conclusions. But I thought the attacking game took a felt like it took a little bit of a step forward. Like Daly, Rockadaguni, and Good in the back line adds a little Daly bit more creativity. Daly is definitely a better winger than Johnny May. Yeah, which says a lot either about Daly or Johnny May or both. 
I'm not entirely sure which, yeah. Yes. And they also didn't fall into the Wales trap, which we'll come on to, <laughs> where they just stuck to the basics of what they do well and they weren't constantly trying to force things against a team that they were obviously better than. Mm. You know, they play a, a forward-orientated power game and they used that to puncture Fiji's defence and score tries and build a bit of a cushion and then they could start throwing it around a bit. Well, the big test is next week for England. I don't think there's anything you can say that's that relevant about England until they play Australia next week. Yeah, I think I would put that out there. there. I mean, you know, it was it was a decent performance. There's, there's stuff to be working on, but I don't think you can tell anything from this. Well, the, the most encouraging thing for me, I thought, from an England point of view, is probably that they can make a number of changes and yet everybody knows their job and they still play like a team. Like, they know the plan, they execute it. Yeah. Like, again, contrasted to Wales, you played like 15 strangers whenever you make a change. Everybody knows the, the quality of coaching is told in the way that they it didn't look like they had never played together before no. as that 15 whoever's you know? been in that camp knows what they have to do when they're called in don't they? and, and I there's going to be more speaks... changes next week because Joe Launchbury's been banned for two weeks mm-hmm. so that'll be a new but I think George Cruz is fit again so ah, okay it's fine so then. that's not really a major problem is it no not even slightly <laughs> not even saying, never mind a major one it's not even a minor problem um, so <laughs> and the so that was England Fiji we've got nothing else to say about it really but uh, that, yes. that was that um, do you want to do Scotland or do you want to do Wales? Um, let's just do Scotland first, shall we? Okay. Hey, speaking of where people are born, did you hear that stat about Argentina? Uh, no. On Saturday. In last year's World Cup, Argentina were the only squad where every member of the squad was born in Argentina. That's oh, really sorry. interesting. Of course, that I didn't phrase that right. We're all born in the country that they play for. Because obviously you wouldn't expect the entire New Zealand team to be born in Argentina, would you? No. <laughs> yes, so so that would have been really weird. They were the only um, squad that had their entire squad born in the country that they are playing for. I guess that makes sense, because in many ways they have always exported talent, not yeah. the other way around. Or so... Argentina's just a really shit place to live and nobody wants to go there. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's arguably a bit of both there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've never been. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, neither way. If anybody wants to pay for us to go and prove us wrong... Yeah, I can go to the, the Iguazu Falls. I can live with yeah, that. Why Sponsors not? out there, no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yes. yeah, so, that, so that, I thought that was quite interesting. But anyway, Scotland... I'm, you know what? Are Scotland the most... Ent- uh, the most uh, is it entertaining? I really like watching Scotland, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I like watching them, but I feel like they've regressed from an offensive standpoint since from where they were... Remember when they were basically playing like Glasgow in the Six Nations yes. and it was all lovely attacking lines and offloads. And this time they sort of, it feels like they've reverted a little bit to the sort of dower up the jumper routine. See, but I quite like bit. that because I like that traditional straight over the top fast <laughs> rucking game that they play. No, well, because I'm English maybe, but I don't know. But No, traditionally Scotland have always played that pick and go fast rucking game hmm. through the middle. And I've always quite liked that. It was distinctively Scottish. And it was distinctively them. And I always found it quite entertaining. And that uh, there was a little bit of that on Saturday. I don't think it helps that Laidlaw, as good as he is, he runs oh, that team. God. But he's just he just doesn't do anything very quickly, does he? isn't he? Well, I was basically, like, given how we know Argentina like to throw it about a bit, mm. I was basically expecting a Super Rugby game. And instead, we got the Greg Laidlaw experience, which with the greatest... I mean, Greg, he looks... With respect to Greg Laidlaw... Good scrum half, great goal kicker that he is. He looks like the most boring man who has ever lived, doesn't he? He looks like the worst person to spend an evening with. Like, just... Yeah, he just looks like he'd so been a stripey dull. zigzag jumper. 
Yeah, and he would just talk to you about stocks because he's really into stocks. Oh, is he? I, no, I don't oh. know if he is, but he just oh. strikes me that he might <laughs> he does, be. You think you know? he might be just making judgments. Okay, just I thinking, like it. Yeah, yeah keep going. Like the most boring thing I could imagine somebody or telling me about how he's going to sort of redo his porch or or, <laughs> or tile the bathroom. It's, yeah. it's that level of just sheer dour boringness. And that kind of is how they're playing for me at the moment. I just, I just didn't I, find I, I it that was... boring. I really didn't. I, I actually quite disagree. I enjoyed them. Maybe because they won finally, so I'm clouded by that. And I actually got a soft spot for them. But I, I, I didn't think it was that. Ultimately, it was the, a bit. It was, was, it was, it was, it was, it was like, yeah. But it, I don't think it was a terrible match to watch. Is it just me? Am I mad? I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was terrible to watch. I just think that they have fallen off quite a bit from the high standards of entertaining rugby that they set themselves. But they'll take the win, though, won't and, they? They will absolutely take the win, and I don't blame them. But, like, I mean, what was Stuart Hogg's most meaningful contribution to that game? Was it his tash? Uh, it was getting Rory underworded by a man who's actually smaller than him in Matthias Orlando for the try. He got absolutely yeah. sat down. And then, I mean, like, he, that lovely pass from Hugh Jones for the try aside, like, there wasn't much to speak of from that Scottish backline, and there's so much talent in that. It was, I mean, it's not Wales-level rubbish, I hasten to ask. <laughs> what is these but days? Like, South Africa, we'll, we'll come on to that later. But, uh, the, the... <laughs> but like Argentina are a team that basically just want to go home. And they, Scotland yeah, they, they, they've got significantly high levels of not giving a shit, haven't they? Oh, they could, They just want to be back in Buenos Aires, where it's lovely, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but now they've got, like, Scotland have been like, yes, we're going to lay down a bit of a marker here. And instead, they kind of just squeaked it a little bit, which they've done many times in the autumn. And now all they, they've got They had to get to that losing of... monkey off their back, though, I think. I guess they did. But now they've just got to go and beat Georgia. And it's like, oh, well, another autumn where they've won well, one game. Let me try and, you know, wade through this puddle of miserableness that you seem <laughs> determined to, 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 to throw all over the fucking walls here. But are they... <laughs> they um, it made me laugh that Finn Russell and Hamish Watson with their tashes and headbands look like peripheral characters from Rab C. Nesbitt. That made me laugh. Absolutely, yes. Magnus Bradbury, who a lot of uh, Edinburgh fans who listen to this pod and contact us regularly were raving about after they beat Ulster the other week, the young flanker, I thought was very, yes. very impressive and was yeah. very surprised he got taken off so early, actually. He went off in like 55 minutes. Was he injured? I don't know. But don't know. hard, fast, completely un- unintimidated. Try saving tackle at one point when he ran back, ran he chased from the off the side yeah, of the scrum. You know, sort of, sort of makes you wonder why they went. You know, Big Vern went to all this fuss before the World Cup to try and get an open side when there's clearly some pretty decent Scottish open sides. Yeah, but he was playing six, through. wasn't he? But he, but he looks, he looked an open sidey sort of player to me. But, yeah, uh, and and actually more impressive than anything, their scrum held up. Yeah, which, I mean, that was the big worry. I think that's, what's his face, the young lad that's come in. Um, Xander Fagerson. Fagerson, that's the one. Um, Sounds like an investment bank. It does, but I think he's been very, very impressed. He was and good against Leicester in the... the Dell on the on the loose head. Dell, is it? He's good. Yeah, it's this. they've got depth. Well, they held the it up. The, the yeah. terrifying thing is once Nell's injured, oh shit, that's it. We're going to get drilled into the floor all game, but... Uh, but that's the thing, yeah. No, they can no, they can still, they might not have the dominance that they would with Nell at mm. starting. But as you long don't as need you can that, as long as you can platform. stop going backwards, then you're all right. Exactly, as long as you've got a stable platform, 
you will be all right. Probably. You mentioned Hugh Jones earlier. Chris Patterson. Yes. Did you hear what Chris Patterson said about him? I didn't, no. Well, Chris Patterson did that thing where he, he, he stepped and then he did the offload for the try, didn't he? Yes, yeah, that was and very it, nice. And he, he hurt his leg and he was hobbling. He was limping. And Chris Patterson, on, on quick as a flash on commentary, said, he's hobbling a bit there, but that's probably because his feet are on fire. <laughs> well, that's very that good, is, Chris. That very is the good. most entertaining for the most Chris boring man in the world. Yeah, for the most boring <laughs> man in the world. That is some bloody quick thinking. That is. That is clearly all of his joie de vivre was devoted to his witticisms and not to anything that he ever did yes. with a ball in his life. So yeah, but yeah, as you said, Argentina just couldn't give a shit. I'm glad Scotland no. won. I did actually predict in my prediction on the on the blog last week that it would be Scotland by three, and I've done my regular one right prediction every 18 months. <laughs> so you don't pay any more attention for another 18 If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. No, whatever you do, you know how this goes. Let's talk about Wales. Must no, actually, be. tell you what, let's look at this in a different way. Let's not talk about Wales. Let's talk about how good Japan were. Yes. Let, let's mean, come at it from that angle, because actually, they were a joy. They were. With the ball I in their hands, they like, were an absolute joy. I thought that they basically just, they were the polar opposite of everything that Wales were doing. Like, they just came out, they had unity, mm-hmm. they had purpose, and they had a clear understanding of their game plan, and they just played what was in front of them really well. Yeah, that's, that's clear- the most, Wales must have thought they were like, Witches or something. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> burn them! Burn them! Yeah. It's like, but they've just clearly done their homework. Yes. Fair play to, to their coaching team. They looked at what, what Australia did to Wales. Exactly, yeah. And they basically did exactly the same thing. I think they you said in the, on, a, on a tweet, didn't you, on the day, you just said, the Wales defence when somebody comes at them with pace, running angles... They is, shit themselves. Is they, yes, they, they shit it, basically. They haven't got a clue. Well, yeah, and they just they did exactly what Australia did, and they saw that Alex Cuthbert was there, and they just kept kicking the ball over his head or putting him under pressure, and he inevitably collapsed every time. And then when it came to their own, they basically sacrificed the wide channels on defence to fly mm. up out of the line really quickly, which causes Jamie Roberts to just go, and either run into contact <laughs> or shovel bad ball on. And then Wales did absolutely fuck all. And like, I was thinking about this the other day, yesterday. Most teams, right, you can say, if somebody says, what's that team good at? 
Mm. You can answer it relatively quickly. You know, what are Ireland good at? Yeah. We've already said, if, at the minute, Verace's defence. What are England good at? Strong set of forwards, give you a good platform, fine. What are New Zealand good at? Fucking everything. But, you know, so, <laughs> you know, what, Australia, well, what, yeah. what Australia good at? Fast attacking lines are running, creative attack, yeah? Mm. It's really hard to answer that question with Wales. No. And, and I, I actually imagine... can't answer it. What are no, they actually good at now? I'll tell you what we're good at. We're good at being shit. <laughs> really apart, apart from that proper. one, yeah. We're good, like, I don't want to go on a massive rant about I'm not ruling it out going on a massive <laughs> rant. I don't want to go on a massive rant about this again. But, like, this is as shit as we've been since the 90s. And there is so much blame to go around for so many things. Like, after last week, and how unconvincing that display was against Argentina, but at least it was a fucking win. Making 10 changes to a team that looked desperately like they needed to build up a bit of coherency mm. and familiarity, I was worried from the off. But in the end, it was worse than my most pessimistic predictions. And you know how fucking pessimistic I am. <laughs> like, and like Phil Bennett, given that he's a man who's seen some of Wales's darkest ever days, like I th- he said after the game, I don't think I've ever felt more flat and dispirited about a Wales win. Oh, you see, and that's it, awful when Phil Bennett says that. Exactly. Because Phil, Phil Bennett's just the loveliest man ever. <laughs> exactly. And look what you've done to him, Wales. <laughs> uh, like you've broken Phil Bennett, you the awful most... bastards. Yeah, it was probably the most incompetent and listless display I've seen from Wales in 15 years, probably more. And yet, the thing that absolutely drove me fucking mental today was that the coaches are still trying to get us to swallow that it's not as bad as it seems. Taking positives. Like, well, Sean Edwards saying that, like, all of... He said the steaming pile of fucking regurgitated diarrhoea that is all the fans care about is winning. Because he, Sean Edwards actually had the gall to say this morning, there was a deafening roar when the drop goal went over. It's all about winning. No, it's fucking demonstrably not. Yeah. They've played three games this this autumn, and every single one, the atmosphere has been like a fucking proctologist waiting room. It's like, why? Yeah. Steve Hansen Wales... knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And I remember, of course he generally. Does. And I remember when he was in charge of Wales, and he, he really, really saw his arse at a press conference once when he said, is, the, is it the performance or the result that's the most important thing? And he, I remember him saying very specifically, and he, he, actually, he was like, look, how many times do I have to tell you this? You know, we've got to get the performances right because we get that right, the wins start coming. You're not going yeah. to consistently win, you know. I think he was annoyed because it was like the eight because they'd not been winning for a while back then, had they? Yeah, they went on that two, big run. Yeah. And he, and tape. to be honest, he was he wanted to win, but he was he was unconcerned about that. He was more concerned about building the right structures to allow winning to become a thing. Yeah, and they're they're clearly not doing and that at the moment. And you can't see that at all. And and no, who's going to do, do it? That's the worrying thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in the game plan. They don't seem to believe in the coaches. And the product they're putting on the field is unwatchable and so devoid of any creativity at joy that, honestly, losing and winning, it doesn't feel any different. I saw, that, I saw that Howley switched out of the gigantic coat of failure into, into, a, into a the nice... supermarket grey suit yes. of bewilderment or something. He was, And he stood with his headset on in that thing looking like a double glazing salesman who was you know, near month yeah. end and couldn't get any leads and, yeah. and, it, and looking like he didn't know what to do about it, really. And you have to, like, the, the reason that there was that big cheer when Sam Davis knocked the drop goal over, and it was the same at the end of the Argentina game. It had nothing to do with happiness. 
Yes. It was just relief. It was it was seven thousand people exhaling. Yes. Yeah, and and you have to wonder how long fans are going to keep putting up with it. Like, well, they're already not because they didn't turn up exactly. for an Australia game, did they? But you look at the seventy odd thousand. A large chunk of them who turned up on Saturday were probably people who don't go to the rugby very often because tickets were cheap. Yeah. Like casuals, kids, families. Are any of them going to come back after that? Well, they're not going like, to pay 85 quid to come back, are they? Certainly, certainly not. Like, people say that Wales is a rugby nation, but that's actually bollocks. Like, Wales is a football nation that pretends to be a rugby nation for six weeks in February every year. Correct. And the WRU have become so complacent in thinking that people care enough about this Wales team to keep going and watch them regardless of the fucking bollocks entertainment value they have on offer. But, like, they should probably realise that the Wales football team are quite good now, and they play with pride and passion, and... They feel like they've really connected with the nation in a meaningful way. Whereas you look at the Welsh, the, this Welsh team, they're running out there. Where is the pride or the passion or the togetherness or any of that stuff? Like, it's you just know, not there. You know, I would imagine you could live. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to speak for you, but you could probably. I can. I think passion is kind of the last refuge of the chancer you know what i mean people use the word passion a lot when actually you know i'd i would much rather have competence over passion any day of the week you know you need passion but first of all you need some fucking competence you know but look like it matters i think that's the thing that bothers me right now is that they don't look nearly as upset about this as they should be i'll take that point yeah 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 like i mean people could have said that like people have criticized howley for not bringing on keelan giles and yes he should have but like after about 15 minutes, when Japan were demonstrating that they were going to keep exploiting Cuthbert's awful defence all game long, yes. But would it? But it would have been the equivalent to sticking a fucking massive spoiler on a Ford Transit van, because he might have made Wales look a bit more exciting because he's young and exciting and he's fearless. But it isn't going to alter the fundamental fact that and it still Wales are been, not fucking sports car. And it still would have been it, it, it would have just been one man one up rugby because there was there's no shape or pattern to actually use what he can do. He would have no, looked better because he'd just given the ball and been faster and better than Cuthbert. And that doesn't really solve, thing. as you said, it doesn't solve the problem, does it? Yeah, and that's the thing that really upset me about a lot of the game is that there was no semblance of everyone was just it was a gigantic 80 minute fuck it I'll do it myself fest <laughs> somebody actually did Lim- say Moriarty must have been on the bench doing the like the white man's well, overbite on his lip biting through it so basically because he was about to have to come on and just rage at fuck it I'll do it myself that's yeah. the thing the most most damning thing for me is that it was so clear in that second half that Wales needed somebody to carry the ball in the forwards because neither Lydia or King are really good at that no and they played a full 80 minutes and Ross Moriarty sat fucking twiddling his thumbs on the bench as an unused substitute. And it's like, at what point does, do you look at a player who's played like he's played this autumn and go, you know what, we don't need him in this fucking ridiculous backs-to-the-wall situation that we've put ourselves in? Have you seen the Coen Brothers film Burn After Reading? Uh, yes. There's a, there's a bit at the end... I won't go through the whole story, it's quite confusing, but there's a bit at the end where the CIA director says, well, what do we learn from this to his underling? And his underling goes, well, we learn not to do it again. And, it, and, he said, <laughs> and, and then he goes, yeah, you're right. Although I still don't really understand what it is we've done. So I think, and you get a feeling that's a little bit what the debriefing video session must be like with Rob that's Howley what they're trying. To, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying, oh, forget, like Sean Edwards was just like, oh, forget about Japan, we're on to the next one. But it's like, no, 
because you're clearly not learning from any of this. Like, Edwards had the temerity to claim that if they beat South Africa next week, that this autumn's going to be a success. And... Well, that's just... That's, well, I, I'm, it's not often, but I'm literally speechless at that. That is unbelievable. Yeah, and like that's like saying that going for a VD test and it coming back negative and celebrating that, <laughs> ignoring the unfortunate circumstances that led you to needing to have a VD test in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's if, if the WIU had any hint of foresight or pragmatism, they would just sack Howley now and replace him with someone temporarily until Gatlin returns. One of the one of then, the one of the crazy. Uh, the thing is, right? Sorry to interrupt you there, but the thing is, mm. if you don't even you're not even saying, well, well I can't wait for Gatlin to come back because this will sort it all out. You haven't even got that, have you? Well, do you know what I mean? There's not even that to look forward to because it no, would just be more. There is, there is four more years of this. <laughs> is what we've got to look forward to. And somebody said one of the one of the one of those Welsh fans on Twitter who always argue with each other. Yeah, Phil, he's one of them. Rugby Phil. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy. He's a he came out and he made a very, he makes lots of good points, but he made a very good point saying it's going to cost two million to get rid of his coaching. No oh, fucking lineup hell. because they've got them all locked down on contracts for four years, and quite yeah. rightly they're going to say, "Well, fucking pay me then." Yeah, and they're going to need paying off. I, I would honestly say, there's talk of like bring somebody else in to replace Howley as a tax slash head coach for the remainder of the year until Gatlin comes back. And then when he comes back, clean house with everyone below him. Edwards goes, McBride goes, completely new assistants. And if Gatlin says no, then Gatlin should go too. But I've I've got no qualms with Gatlin staying because he clearly, judging by the absolute shit show that we've seen this autumn, has a positive effect on these Wales players. Compared to the New Zealand tour as well. Yeah, you have to say exactly. that, don't you? You know it was. Yeah. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, normally they you need see, new ideas, clearly, and new voices. And new coaches and new it. voices normally make a make a difference to that, don't they? Unless yeah. moving on, unless uh, they're South African. <laughs> well, then it's less. Do we a, need a, to bring in an international shit watch? I think we might do. We won't do it. It'll get too confusing. But with South Africa, it is getting to the level that it's hashtag... I actually did t- I did tweet hashtag Springbok shitwatch on Saturday. Well, yeah. And they seem to have become just... some kind of modern art installation called <laughs> Forlorn Befuddlement or something. They're just they're incredible. Just... I, said, I think it says a lot that there was one South African paper that gave every single Springbok player naught out of 10 in their post-match player ratings, which... I mean, this might be the worst yes, Springbok team ever. Yes, the Afrikaans paper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's brilliant. They I might, love that. They might be the worst Springbok team ever. Like, no jokes, they are fucking but dreadful. each individual player isn't. So it can't yeah. be the player's fault, can it? No, and they they're not had all some quite, untalented people. They had some quite nice moments in attack, I thought. Like, the first try mm. was actually really nicely worked, and, like... But the thing that you can always rely on with the box is that their pack is fucking hard as nails. Yeah. And Italy just somehow bullied them. They don't seem to want to play for him, do they? I think no, this is what like, it comes down to, I think. And you can say, think, well, you should want to play for you. It's about your shirt and your country. Well, no, because they're all human beings. They need motivating. Absolutely. And, and you look at Wales, that's exactly the same. Yeah. There's clearly a, a motivation issue there. But you look at the way that the Italy basically mauled their way to three tries from set pieces and you just think how many that times is the final humiliation conceded? isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah 
I mean, Simone Favaro was a revelation. He yes. monstered the breakdown. But they, how did they not have an answer to him? It's not like he's fucking Richie McCaw, is it? No. Like, but, um, think... They are the only team that's probably more of a mess than Wales are at the moment. They've got a coach with no game plan, a captain who's literally counting down the days until he retires, um, and a load of players who don't seem to be that bothered. And yet, in the battle of the two most offensively stagnant, confidence-deprived teams on the planet, they will 100% definitely still beat Wales next week. You're putting that out there, are you? Absolutely, because even at their lowest ebb, they still looked a little bit more committed and a little bit more organised <laughs> than Rob Howley's fucking clown car farce. They're absolutely... I'm, I'm fucking going to that game, because apparently I'm a glutton to punishment this Autumn. Are you corporate hospitality again? I'm not. I'm oh. sitting in ordinary human where, where, seats. Where are you going to? Where are you going to get the chance to see a girl with stick down a shirt at twelve in the I'm, afternoon? I'm going to have any to bar see, in Cardiff, yeah, basically. I was there say, you just go. have to go to St Mary Street, don't I? <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it was I'm not going to have free booze to dull the pain of what is inevitably going to be one of the most unwatchably bad games that has ever been broadcast on television. Let's face it. Yes, it's. Well, you never know. They might surprise us all. They won't, but you never know. <laughs> they won't. I mean, basically, it will take Wales winning by 30, 40 points for me to actually not feel quite so shit about everything, and that's not going to happen. So, uh, oh, well. Finally, to be finished in Australia, I didn't see this game. Is there anything? Um, so I've got nothing to say about it. I've watched some extended highlights. Uh, Australia, despite being much changed, were quite good. And France were actually quite good as well. Will um, they beat England next week? It's be hard to say because they made quite a lot of changes. I think they'll give them a lot more of a game than they gave them in the summer. Yeah. I think they're a much better outfit than they were then, and they're playing with a lot more confidence. I but think I England will have I, enough to do it at home. I think. I think. I think. My guess is that they, it will be tighter, but I think I'd still back England. And France continue to look borderline competent. Yeah, which is yet another reason why 2016 is the most crazy, bonkers I mean, year. They were incompetent. However, their fly half did miss a game-winning drop goal at the end, so they're not totally reverting from type. No. Yeah. So there you go. So that was the game of the weekend. Let's do this. The jingle is back. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. I had a specific request for it on Twitter, and I wow. before the, before the the show, I tried to find a tweet and I couldn't find it. So I apologise to the <laughs> lovely person out there who said I missed the jingle, and I said right, it's going back on then because I can't find the tweet now. So please let you if you let yourself be known, I will. Uh, let's let's face it, the reward of having the jingle back should be that should be enough, really. But yeah, we're a giving kind of pod, need. so please get in touch with me again and. And tell me, somebody even emailed me, messaged me on Facebook last week and said, what's happened to the loop? Wow. I had to explain how we can't pay for the license anymore. And basically nobody gives a shit apart from this guy (laughs) and me and you. So, you know, I had to apologize. He said, well, that's a shame, but I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it in my spare time, he said. Well, that's good. That's lovely to see. That is lovely to see. You know, if you want, you know. Because people need more nineties music in their, in their lives. Yeah, this I think. is like a bit of nineties grunge with the occasional bit of weird sixties pop that we just yeah seventies funk at some point. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. so yeah, there you go. The loop is no more. In case you hadn't wondered, because we do have to pay for a license, and I don't think people were that really that interested, and I don't want to pay for a license. There you go. 
And we were really bad at thinking of songs quite a lot of the time as well. Yeah, we were pretty bad in that I thought of one every week. That's what Josh yes, means. Yes, basically. And then Josh just took the piss out of whatever I chose. I did that... it. I did it one time. You did do it one time, yeah. Um, so anyway, sorry, it is the shit good ratings, the only rating system that matters. And thank you all mm-hmm. for your contributions to this. While we were talking about South Africa, uh, Robbie, Alexa- Robbie Alexander, who's a Scottish person, I'm guessing, said that shit is not getting to play South Africa on their... South Africa. On South, their, Africa. South Africa. South yeah. <laughs> Africa. <laughs> not getting to play South Africa. Yeah, not getting to play South Africa on their ranking points hemorrhaging world tour of 2016. So they're actually gutted they're not playing them. Yeah. I mean, if if it were, if Wales were in anything approaching not a fucking shambles, I'd be really excited for this game. But, yeah. But them's no, the breaks. Them's just the breaks. <laughs> Speaking of Wales, my yeah. first shit Go. had to be, simply has to be, Alex Cuthbert. You know, I feel slightly uncomfortable with doing this now. You know, you, you know me, I'm a relatively cruel person. I don't really mind normally, but this is getting beyond. No, it's at the point now where I don't think he should be dropped because he's comically shit. I mean, he is, but it's just to put the poor bastard out of his misery. Like, he's trying so hard. And, and it, did absolutely you, did you hear Jonathan, nothing is working out for him anymore. Uh, Jonathan Davis is like to... wishing on the commentary for him to do something, doesn't he? I oh, know. he just he just needs to catch the ball, and then when he the... very nearly <laughs> chased down that kick up <laughs> yeah. the touchline, and then he just knocked it on. I just actually felt properly sorry for him because it was like I do. You could see in his face how just. He knows, and he's not never... stupid. He knows, and he must read this stuff. You can't ignore it, and I no. mean, he is, he is. You can't change the fact that he is absolute Olympic level bobbins. But you know, I'd, you'd really do wish something would go right for him. Honestly, yeah, just one try. That's all Anything. I wanted. One try, and then he can go back to Cardiff for a season or two, get his head right, start yeah. scoring tries, stop caring about all this shit again, and then maybe he can become that. Remember what a couple of years ago when he was one of the most lethal finishers in the world. Yeah. Then the finishing stopped, then all you, then all you, and then everything was, stopped. And it was he was just like awful. a load of broom handles tied together, stuck in the ground in the wrong position. That's basically what he became. Oh, so cr- I, I hope to God, for his own sake, that he is relieved of his duties for the week. I assume he will be. Hashtag but, pray for Alex. Yes. Hashtag just put him out of his misery. <laughs> he looks a bit like a horse. Blue and it's time. all getting a bit tarpaulin-y. Yes. Um, my shit is Rory Best running 40 metres to ask for the ref to do a TMO review <laughs> while the conversion was being taken. Yeah. That's I mean, what's I... become of our game, ladies and gentlemen. That basically that's what... I know he's the captain. He's got a right to ask these questions. But he literally jogged from under the posts... In front of the guy taking a, a conversion to say, can you not have a look at that? Might have been a forward pass. Now, there's also the fact that forward passes shouldn't even be fucking looked at by TMO anyway, which is an old <laughs> theme of mine. So that's a, the double insult. Yes. I, I See, I've got a slightly different take in this because like, right. I thought that the way that he played, he sort of managed the game was fantastic. Yeah, I generally, think, like, I, I agree. He had a lot of conversations with the referee. That was bad, but I think like for all the whinging from the Emerald Isle that New Zealand got away with everything, he was in Jacko Piper's ear constantly about New Zealand infringements. I reckon that both of those yellow cards wouldn't have happened without Best hmm. literally seconds before being in his ear and saying, oh, they're infringing at the breakdown pretty obviously. They're high-tackling at every ruck. And 
like that's when people say that captains don't matter anymore, they forget that that is what a really good captain should do in a game like that. But yeah, I do agree with you that running fucking half the length of the field <laughs> just to remonstrate is a little bit over the top. And then he said, "What did Piper say?" So he said something like, "He said something like, I've got a team of people that help me.'" <laughs> yes, I think it was something like <laughs> it that. It was really odd, but yeah, that that's... sounds like a weird sort of like. I like Donald Trump. I've got a terrific thing. team of people to help me. Everybody says they're really <laughs> terrific. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Um, other shits, related news, other shits for me is um, Irish fans on Twitter. You yes, should, which we have that. discussed, but yeah. They have, they, they really were challenging the Australians for title of most graceless, whingy losers ever <laughs> after the game. It was a sight to behold. Some of the most amazingly reality detached tinfoil hat shit that I think I've ever seen. Um, my particular favourite was the chap who claimed that um, it was a massive Welsh conspiracy which I liked. Um, it was because the TMO was Welsh. Um, it was oh, of course, yeah, up, okay. Apparently, he was under the orders under orders from at WRU Media. He went to the bother of tagging the WRU in his tweet um, to ensure that Ireland lost. What I love about that is nebulous rankings points reasons, which is obviously exactly what happened. Wake up, sheeple! <laughs> you know, people like you go. You have seen Welsh rugby, haven't you? You've seen <laughs> how it's run. This Machiavellian. The, the idea that that could actually be put together. Somebody can even work out the ranking points algorithm that would be needed. It's just... Exactly. <laughs> Never mind the fact that we're in, what, seventh or something, and the Irish are in fourth, <laughs> so that, that any ranking points shit is entirely meaningless. We're By and large, count. it's going terribly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, seriously, like we've all been there. Like A particularly painful loss can make people say and do mental things, and Ireland, it was clearly your turn on Saturday night, but... um. Now that it's been a few days, can we get a little bit of perspective, please? Because it's a little bit uh, unendearing, to say the least. I've got a shit one here. IBM have got a tie with the England team, and it, they post they these have, things, yes. hashtag IBM try tracker, right? Right. And a tweet came out after, at some point during the England game on Saturday, and this is, this is, this is the, the stat they came out with, okay? Dylan Hartley has now made the third amount of tackles for England since February 2006. What? He's third ranking in the number of tackles made for England since right. 2006. That okay. happened during the game in Fiji. Right. And you think, you know what? That's just the kind of fucking statistic that we need, isn't it? Yeah. Mid-game. Brilliant. We need to know that... That's just... Oh, that's it's some just, American football that's shit. That's unbelievable, is, isn't, isn't it? it? It's absolutely unbelievable. And it was There's done no... in that ridiculous urban font that the yeah. dub that the um, RFU has. <laughs> yes, as Lo if it matters. Lawrence, as if it matters. Lawrence Hooper got on in touch on Twitter and said, at Blood and Mud, and said, can't anyone spoof IDM stat generator, add player, add arbitrary conditions, putting meaningless number in big font? Because <laughs> 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 so you Joe Law what you could do, let's try and do this then. Joe Launchbury. Yeah. 13th most sidesteps since, since 2007. Big yeah. font. Boom. Because, I mean, you, do, you, think, you don't know this is even true, do you? A, nobody's been keeping track of stats that detailedly for that long to really be that sure about it. 
That's be, another good point, yeah. It's fucking meaningless. Not only is it pointless, I question the accuracy of what they're saying to me. <laughs> yeah, the whole Optus it's thing a double has insult. been a thing, really, in the last decade. And the Rugby Optus thing, even less. They've only recently got themselves a Rugby Optus Twitter account. Exactly. They've had football Which, ones for ages. Unless some poor fucker at IBM HQ has had to go back and watch every England game since 2003. Maybe they got Todd Blackadder to do it. Maybe. He loves Maybe a game rewatch, does, doesn't he? He does love that shit, doesn't he? Um, yeah, so there you go. Any more shits from you? Well, let's look at Twitter. Uh, what was on Twitter? We've got Twitter. Andy and Brum. It's a bit of a double one here. Andy and Brum got in touch. He said, good, a drop goal to win a game. Because yes. it is rare these days. But then he shit. Took, he took it beautifully, by the way. He did I take it. Be- yeah, we've actually skimmed over that. He did take it beautifully. Mm. But he said, but also shit, Wales needing a last trust drop, drop goal <laughs> to win a game against Japan at home. Yes, I think we can safely say that that was a pile of bollocks. Andrew Cumming on Twitter got in touch and said, uh, as you mentioned, Laidlaw doing the mannequin challenge at every rook. <laughs> but yeah, what I love about exactly... it is he stood there in plain view, isn't he, Laidlaw? And he keeps doing that pointing behind the back thing. Yes. To send people. It's like, that's... oh, you cunning bastard. Yeah, as if somebody can't instantly work that out with the fact that they're on television mate and the fact that everyone's just moved there and then you're going to wait yeah. another 10 minutes before you pass to them anyway <laughs> he is he's not exactly the sort of buzzing around the breakdown get the tempo up kind of scrum off is he let's be honest no anything like shit a short from Mike you? Phillips any more shit uh, from you before you move on yes uh, Julian Surveyor yeah Surveyor like, he is one of the most imposing physical specimens the game has seen since Jonah Lomu, but for s- some reason, he's just a bit useless when he's not... <laughs> unless he's inside the 22, like, and he has a run through some folks to the try line, all he seems to do is just use that remarkable power of his to run up blind alleys, get isolated, and then get turned over. Like, Yeah, he doesn't... I don't know whether it's just watching two he games... He doesn't create much items. for himself, does he? No, I think that's the and thing. Pass and for somebody ever. who's that big, and that, and he has got a bit of a step. You're expecting to create more for himself, or at least be more impactful when he hits contact. He doesn't even do that yeah. much, does he? Instead, he just sort of meanders and then ends up getting pinged, and it's a bit weird. Is he in a competition with his brother for the shittest haircut in the family? Is that is, is that is, is that <laughs> what's going on there? It's a back and forth thing. His brother, by the way, I thought was very good when he came yes. on. He's a fucking nuisance. He's a menace. Yes. Yes. Um, and he's a physical freak, which also helps. He actually will create something. And does regularly, yes. Yeah. Maybe that's the answer. Whereas... Maybe Julian's going to go in at six or something. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe he's got the bill for it. Um, other shits for me, James Horwell's finger. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, for him to have the top of his finger at a 45-degree angle to the rest of it and ask for somebody to tape it up so it can carry on is a testament That's to... That's not that impressive, both, obviously, but it's, the, it's both, when it bends yeah, the other way. It's and his complete degrees. lack of regard for his own health and body. But can people stop putting pictures of it on the internet, please? Because occasionally <laughs> I am eating, and I don't need to see that. For the, It doesn't get any better, no matter how many times you see it. Uh, any more shits? Uh, yes, one final one. Um... David Pocock, Sunday night Twitter fun. Um, the Aussie Open side, named, despite having won all three games on their tour so far, having beaten Wales like an angry dominatrix and generally restored quite a great deal of pride in the Wallaby jersey this autumn, mm-hmm. Pocock took to Twitter on Sunday night to claim that the highlight of his tour was watching Planet Earth 2 
on Sunday nights. <laughs> which, I mean, look, I like snow leopards and jaguars as much as the next man, but I work I... in an office and I spend most of my time ranting on the internet, and yet I'm not sure that I would have gone, God, Planet Earth 2 was the highlight of my week last week. I mean, it probably was. But <laughs> you wouldn't want to say it in public. I wouldn't want to say it in public. But it just shows exactly. he's, he's a very secure and comfortable man in his own skin that he can say things he like that. certainly is. I'm an international rugby player. I'm a clever man. I won't get married because, you know, the gays. Yeah. And, um, really which like I completely supported with, by the way. That was meant to be a dig, Bang I think. But, it was, um, but, um, but he's quite comfortable to say, you know what, the best thing about my life right now, these fucking leopards on the hotel right room. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And it is magnificent, it must be said. I mean, it's fantastic. Although, that it does with, have a... a, a with snakes and the iguanas. Jesus Christ. Incredible. That was better than anything. That was more exciting than anything Wales have done this autumn by a country. That was more exciting than anything anyone's ever done, I think. Well, it was in, yeah. I but, it, I mean, let's be honest, that was quite obviously about 19 iguanas all spliced into one long shot, wasn't it? There's no way that one <laughs> yeah. iguana did all that legging it around. I don't care yeah, what you no, say. No, you, but still... I, I enjoyed the fantasy. He was the Shane Williams of iguanas. He, got he out certainly of a, was. I mean, nippy and gets his, himself out what's of his el- What's his eligibility? That's what I want to know. I don't know, but we can sort that fairly quickly. Uh, yeah, three years and he's anyone's. That thing about Argentina, having all their players born in Argentina, by the way, uh, somebody did make the point that that's why Augustine Pichot is probably so pissed off and wanting to... to he's so far behind the five years residency thing because he's... Exactly. <laughs> They're losing out massively. Right, now let's look at um, good. Let's look at... Oh, have you got good. one more? Sorry. Are you doing no, good? No, no, I'm good. Let's right. go good. Let's go good. Mako Vunipola's sidestep. I did enjoy that, yeah. Where he kind of, well, he, he went, he dropped the shoulder and then went right, didn't he? And that was just mm. before. It's always nice to see a prop do that. A Georgian prop in their game against uh, Samoa did something very similar. Good result uh, for I them, that, the by the way. Really good result, Samoa. yeah. Very good result. I mean, I, I said that, you know, they're just going to bat Scotland, they're just going to beat Georgia next week, and they almost certainly will, but they will be no pushovers, certainly mm. up front. Good for um, you. Uh, good for me. Uh, Targ Furlong. Yes. I, he was. Where's think... he come from? I mean, I know where he's come from. I've seen yeah. him quite a bit. But where has this one come from? Well, I, I mean, I banged. The, I think I banged the drum about him when he was in the South Africa tour in the summer because I just thought he, he was did. a bit of a beast. But this is what he did on Saturday was super another human stuff. Le- yeah. yeah. I mean, the way that he got around the puff, such a big man. The way he gets around the park is an absolute sight to behold. And the power, the, the way he treated Retallick and Reed like ragdolls in that one carry. That one carry, and he smashed but, three of them out of the way. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it was just fantastic. Who doesn't love seeing that? And yeah, he held the scrum up. He was a fucking nuisance on the deck. He tackled like a freight train. Yeah, what a player. Alex Feeney got in touch on Twitter and said that good for him was um, because it's been, it's been a domestic weekend as well. With it, with no internationals, good for him. Was it was Andy Femby? I heard he had the Saracens game, and 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 Alex is saying surely he'll be in the Six Nations squad, won't he? <laughs> Let's be honest. Stupider things have happened. I'm telling you, Aled Brew will Aled be back Brew. in the Wales squad, and Andy, Andy Femby, Femby will be in the England squad. Let's get Mike Phillips in there for a Premiership trio. Why not? He's really grey now, Mike Phillips, isn't he? He's, he's, he's full really on silver grey. fox, but he's sort of embracing it. He's yeah. fine with it. I'm, I am going sort of half grey, so I understand it. But it, it seems to happen quite quickly with him. Maybe yeah, he's dying, I think his, dying his hair. You get out, of, you get out of Wales, and you know. All of a sudden, you just start taking it easy, don't you? Yeah. Next thing you know, you're old. Good for me was uh, Matsushima, the Japanese fullback. Yes. Who looked a right handful. All massive game. Massive handful. Absolutely. Just, they didn't know what to do with him, did they? 
No. I mean, they didn't know what to do with any of that. <laughs> well, they don't know what to do full stop. You yeah, had they didn't to know what to do with anybody that can run fast, basically. That is a worry, um, though, yeah, isn't no, it? I'm not going back to that. That is a real... Because really how do you solve that when basically they just can't handle people running fast at them? And in rugby, yeah. that happens quite a bit. So well, The trick is that you don't pick players in your back line that are absolutely devoid of any pace whatsoever, and yet the guy anchoring the fucking defence is about as agile as a fucking ocean liner. Unfortunately, you need the Planet Earth Two iguana in there. That's what you need. I he'd do a lovely job, I think. Beautiful step on him. Uh, any good um, from you? Speaking of big lumps, uh, Tavita Kurandrani, who I seem to remember eighteen months ago, he was just a big lump, and he didn't yes. seem to have much else going for him. But like two weeks on the bounce now, he's popped up to score a winning try in fairly spectacular fashion, like that finish um, against France. Mm-hmm. It honestly batshit. I, I haven't just... seen it. So you'd oh, have, to... have you not seen it? No. Jesus Christ! What you need to see it. It is utterly ridiculous. Not just for the acrobatic nature of what he did, but the spatial awareness and body control to get it to ground before he went into touch is utterly remarkable. It's one of the best finishes you will ever see. And yet, well, I, I wish I could this... join in. I really do, but I'll have to, I'll have to watch it after the bar because yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I heartily, if you haven't seen it yet, I, I mean, I understand why you wouldn't. It was Australia, France. Why would you go searching out highlights for that? But it honestly, a ridiculous finish. And he's turning into a very, very good 13. And I don't think I really saw that coming. No, 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 I certainly didn't anyway. He's, um, he is a big lad, isn't he? Watching Australia on Sunday in the Rugby League. The, do you know about Greg Inglis? Yes, yeah. He's... He's ridiculous. Yeah. As an athletic specimen, he's just he's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's of similar status to Curran Drowney, but yeah. faster and bigger and better. But he is just he's incredible. <laughs> absolutely yeah. and incredible. It, it, you wonder how these absolute physical freaks where they're getting them from, to be honest. But um yeah, fair play to Unbelievable. Him. But uh, anyway, uh, a good came in from uh, at Blood and Mud from David Lawrence. Hello, David. And he said Bronzini, good, the Italian nine. Yes. Tackling was... around the fringes like a back row. Yeah. Fair play, you did. But obviously not tackling like all back rows because he didn't tackle like Peter Steph de Toy, did he? No. Because <laughs> he just didn't tackle. But, no, uh, yeah. well, that is basically one of his core skills that appears to have sadly taken... I'm not sure how it's taken leave of him, but he... <laughs> but yes, just, no. bronze in Italian, very good. What does this mean for Italy, do we think? Uh, does it mean anything? Is it just that they're so shit that was always going to happen, South Africa, or...? I think it might be a little bit that they South Africa underestimated them massively and there's a little bit of almost just Italy. It's kind of the stars aligned a little bit. I don't think it, but I think that Italy would probably be better under Conor O'Shea and Mike Cat than they ever were under the previous well, I can tell regime. by your tone what just... he says they're still going to lose. Regularly. Probably, yeah. Although I would not bet against them beating Wales in Rome next year. <laughs> yeah, but you're in that headspace now where you wouldn't well, bet. You, you know, say, you wouldn't bet well, on Tendi th- Tondi thirds losing to Wales right now, probably. Well, no, you. They just managed. They beat Japan by three points at home. I think all bets are fucking <laughs> off as far as Wales goes. Or just don't put any. Yeah, don't put any bets don't on put whatsoever. Any bets on Wales unless it's to lose. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to see. Who've they gone next? I don't know. Neither of us know. Neither of um, us know, and I'm not looking. So 
Yeah, but whoever they welcome next, to they can... professional rugby coverage, ladies and gentlemen. We A don't know, and we're not looking. We do nothing. <laughs> Testify. But prepared, exhaustively prepared notes with full yeah. stats. Uh, uh, I'm just actually looking now because I'm moderately curious. Uh, they got Tonga. Okay, well, they're so going to win that, aren't they? They should win that. That's a nice. They that's could a win nice, that game, uh... so they, they they'll they'll be two out of three this autumn. Yeah. Which is and you know new coaching setup. That's not bad, is it? Yeah. Josh, yeah. we have reached the end of this week. We have indeed. And it's an hour and a quarter again, despite the fact that that was never <laughs> our intention. Thanks for staying with us if you're still out there. I'm pretty yes. sure that most of the people who are listening are not there anymore. And now the loop's gone, they're definitely not listening anymore. Definitely so. not. Statistics tell us that most people don't make it to the end of the podcast. No, they That's don't. What... For those of you that had, we respect you greatly. Yeah, you're our favourite. Or you're asleep. Yeah, you know, in so... which case, wake up. Uh, especially if you're especially if you're driving yes um mm. yeah thank you everybody yes i look forward to uh telling you all about how thoroughly depressed i am when we lose south africa next week that's something to look forward to see you next week yes take care bye this year leaving certificate students have new choices via the cao Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Podcast Network.